welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray Heron, and after a long time flying solo, I'm joined on the podcast by the one, the only, uh, Matthew Day Gillett. Hello. Hello again. <laughs> you make it sound like I'm some kind of celebrity. Where's you been? I've been around. Just, I've been busy. Yeah, typing away writing uh, the long form high beam episodes and um, generally being swamped with small children nah bro where's your wheelie bin where's my wheelie bin it's um, <laughs> right outside the door come to think of it it's a terrible dad joke isn't it we usually finish the finish the show with dad jokes uh, so welcome back Matt for this episode and also joining us is the curator creator and uh, genius that is behind small bike stuff on Facebook if you haven't checked it out get on Facebook and search out small bike stuff Cullen Blackmore hello hey how's it going good welcome along to the show today coming up in the show we're going to be talking about the G310R and the G310GS Matt and I we're going to compare notes I guess would be a good way to describe that also Matt you've had a little bit of an altercation with Rosie the Rally we're going to find out what you did and how you fixed it but first Cullen let's find out a little bit more about you it's a page that I've been following for a while Small Bike Stuff Yes How did that come about And what's the story behind it? Uh, long, long Very long story short I didn't grow up with bikes I lived overseas for a while When I was in my early 20s And that was in Southeast Asia And um, as everyone Who's seen pictures on the internet Will most likely know uh, Small bikes are huge over there A 150 or a 250 Is considered big and uh, that's really where I got my passion. I owned four bikes in a row living overseas. Ended up moving back home in 2015, and ever since I've been obsessed. So I created a group called Moped NZ originally on Facebook, and that was purely because I'd bought a Honda Cub and I didn't really know what I was doing, and I wanted to ask other people. So I just added people I knew into it, and that's growing through to 2,500 people. And then I thought, hey, I see cool stuff all the time, and I really like it, and I like writing about it and talking about it. So. I created small bike stuff just to talk about it in a more for a way, I guess, without just annoying people in my group the whole time and just spamming it up. So, yeah, it just naturally formed out of nowhere, I guess. Brilliant. Now, small bike stuff, this has been on my radar for probably a good uh, three or four months. Matt, is this something that um, you, uh, you you toodle off to the lavatory with on your, on your smartphone? And I wouldn't say toodle off to the lavatory. I do follow small bike stuff. Um, and, um, geez, what, when was it? It would have been 20... In late 2017, I think, Calibre. Something like that. Did um, a bit of a muck around ride around the Waikato, um, and I had yeah, one of the biggest yeah. CC bikes there, which is a nice change for me. Uh, I think <laughs> I was, uh, that was good fun. I had to leave because um, wife was pregnant with baby one at the time wow. and needed me yeah. to get home, so I had to ditch early. Uh, so I missed out on the great barbecue. <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome event. Um, that was, yeah, that was uh, when the group only had about 700 people, um, and we just did this event in the Waikato. It was 250Ks. Um, maximum capacity is 250cc. We generally say on those group rides, no new sports bikes, no new dirt bikes. As long as it's small <laughs> and weird, you're more than welcome to come it can be brand new but it just can't be like a cruiser or something like that you've got to be not wanting to take it out on a long ride that's the whole point so yeah, yeah that was a cool event yeah i remember there was some uh what was it uh some fixes um someone basically pulled their bike apart in the a service station forecourt and put it back together yes. again and oh, yes 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 <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Running repairs, I mean, the bikes aren't necessarily designed to do what we do with them, but that's exactly the whole point of it all, I guess. Um, the, the event you're talking about specifically, a guy had a Honda Gyro three-wheeled bike and they just had it leant over on its side 
well, a local resident on her um, mobility scooter came in, inspected, and saw what we were doing in the uh, lovely town of Matamata in the North Island. <laughs> it was um, it was a cool day for sure. Outstanding. So it sounds like you're um, you're into running all sorts of uh, events and meeting like-minded uh, people on on those those weird, wacky, and wonderful but small bore engines. Uh, you've also got a YouTube channel which I've been checking out recently. Uh, I think most recently there was a video comparing road tires to dirt tires on both road and dirt. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I uh, was in Thailand in February. Um, while I was over there, I was looking to buy a small bike, uh, a Honda Wave, and uh, the, basically the Toyota Corolla of, of Southeast Asia. And I wanted to buy one of those and bring it home. Um, the costs were kind of, I could do it, but it was going to be expensive. And as I was leaving a bike shop, uh, to deliberate with my lovely partner and figure out whether I should do this or not. Someone sent me a link to trade me um, back in New Zealand. I was literally on a motorcycle taxi. I was on the back of a Honda Wave riding down the road with my phone out sitting there. I wasn't riding. I was on the back and scrolling through my Facebook and uh, saw a link to a Honda Wave on Trade Me in New Zealand. So I called them up and bought it on the spot. Uh, tires, yeah, I've been using this bike for everything. It's fuel injected, four speed, one, two, five. It goes amazing and it's reliable. I've been daily commuting it to work and I thought, heck, why not take it on some uh, more gravel orientated rides? So I've thrown some cheap shinkos on there that, that do the job and, um, yeah, just trying to do things that it's not designed for, really. I've seen some interesting stuff on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doing things that, that the bikes aren't designed for is kind of in the spirit of motorcycling, right? I mean, that's how adventure bikes even came exactly. about. Exactly. That's the one. That's the one. I mean, uh, we, um, as a group, and, and I'm not the curator of all of these events, you know, it's a lot of people make their own, and I definitely turn up and just, just promote them. We've been doing rides for the past, I think this year in November, we've got our fourth year of a ride that changes routes occasionally, but it used to be the East Cape, um, but it includes the Motu Road. So we go over there and basically no one's got anything bigger than a 150cc. Um, that has turned into a predominantly gravel ride that goes out the back uh, roads to Lake Waikita Moana in the, um, on the East Cape of New Zealand through to Gisborne. Just uh, 600Ks over three days, about 200 kilometers a day, and 90% of it's gravel, and no one has a bike that's meant to go on it. So. Um, yeah, we do that quite often and it's, it's, it's something that I've really enjoyed. So any chance I get, I'm out riding, whether it's gravel or road, it doesn't really matter as long as I'm going as fast as possible, which is usually 98 or 99 kilometers per hour. <laughs> Pinned, tucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How many, mo- yeah. How, how many Honda monkeys have you got in the group? Um, there's, gosh, like there's people, individual people that have over 10, you know, just a single singular Honda monkeys. Um, the Quake City Rumblers, which are infamous um, small bike gang, I guess you could say, from the South Island. It's, um, they have several members that have, you know, well into the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 individual Honda monkeys each. Um, I, yeah, yeah. So there's some really obsessive people out there. Um, but of course, when something becomes popular, values only rise. So um, they're getting harder to come by and it's kind of turning away from a, a beer bones back um, shed budget build thing into a um, hunt and scrape and save to, to get something that you want to put together. Okay, so small bike stuff on Facebook is is the place to um, to find out all about the small bike stuff, and I've been sharing a few of these um, posts and videos and stuff across social media for Kiwi Rider as well. One thing that's kind of got uh, Matt and I under hot and under the collar a little bit recently was the uh, the Honda Hunter Cub. Um, what do you know about this bike? Because, I mean, we've found out about the bike itself, but we can't find any information on when it will hit the country. 
Okay, so uh, Honda CT125 or Hunter Cub as it's known is awesome. Uh, the Hunter Cub name has not been used for well over 50 years. It was only ever called the Hunter Cub when it first came out for the first couple of years. It was a Honda CT50. It had a 50cc uh, four-speed manual, uh, four-speed semi-automatic box, of course, no, no, no actual hand clutch, but it had a four-speed low box as well. So technically an eight-speed 50cc thing that looked exactly like the old posty bikes. Um, in the USA, you could get them with gun racks and everything like that attached to them <laughs> and um they finally brought that name back which is awesome so the ct125 is it's out in the world thailand's had it for three or four months uh japan got it a couple of months after thailand um australia's just got their first models released and i've been talking to a couple of dealers around the show and we should be getting it within the next month or so i've been trying to do all i can to get my hands on one at least just to look at or sniff and touch let alone ride but um we'll see what happens <laughs> Yeah, it's been really hard to talk to like um, the importers. Like they're really, really tight-lipped on mm. when they're going to bring out a new bike. Like they're not very forthcoming. And I think the first time I actually heard about this bike actually coming into the country, I think it was um, a Manawa Two Honda dealer. Yes, um, yes. I was up on Facebook and I was like, mm. "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> yes, I um, I I've. I mean, when you when you have a Facebook page, you're 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 able to kind of swing things in your own way. So I had no confirmation of it coming to New Zealand either. So I started to post links confirming that it was going to Australia and tagging all the Honda dealers I could in New Zealand saying, oh gosh, this bike's not coming. What are we going to do? And um, <laughs> I suddenly got a message from two dealers. I got a message from Honda Pukekohe and um, I think it was Motormart in Wellington. They uh, both had people, salesmen there, message me saying it's definitely coming. Can't tell you anything else. Hold fire. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was stoked. Yeah, I was, I was in, um, in Motormart Wellington last week where, for the last episode, in fact, and they were, they actually, your name came up because they, um, they quite liked the content that you put out. Um, but they, they were saying, yeah, we, we can't say anything, but it is coming and we can't wait. And they're, they're talking about an event, uh, getting a whole bunch of, um, cub riders to ride through the um, yes, the, yes, the Hutt yes. River. Well, that's what it's made for. I mean, it's 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 cool. There's been a little bit of controversy about it online, as much as small bike stuff controversy matters to most people. But uh, a big contention, uh, a topic of contention, is that it doesn't have a low range gearbox. Um, usually, all the old posty bikes and the CT one tens and things like that, and the CT nineties. Not all of them, but a lot of them came with a low range gearbox. And it's got a massive following in the USA. It's one of the small ball bikes in the USA that actually took off, which not many of them have. And um, there's been a lot of contention, especially in the USA, with people saying, I'm not buying it. It doesn't have a low-range gearbox. But I think the fuel injection um, is such a smooth ride compared to the old carbureted system. And um, the fact that you can just tap it wide open and know that it's going to work. The air intakes on the rear rack, um, so you've got a snorkel almost. Um, you can go knee deep in, in the water and be fine. And there's been videos coming out in Thailand of guys taking them off-road. Uh, I saw one one video recently of a guy who was riding with a whole bunch of CRF 250s and KTMs, and he was just motoring through on his Hunter Cub 125. And getting there, albeit a little bit slower than anyone else. Yeah, I've just been looking on the Honda website and trying to see it, and they don't have it on their website still, mm-hmm. um, but they've got the ADV 150. Have you heard about that yet? Yes, like, Is that yes. the one that's been uh, out in Europe for a while? Yes, it has been out in Europe for a while. It's been out in Thailand 
Berlin for quite a while as well, Southeast Asia. Um, I, I did a trip in the start of 2019 to uh, Malaysia. We bought 100cc motorcycles and rode 2,500 Ks through to Bangkok and Thailand. And on that trip, we were getting passed by these big twist and go adventure looking things. And we thought, what the heck are these? And it turns out that was the ADV 750. And from there, uh-huh. I Google searched and learned that the the, um, the 150 exists. So the 750 has got the NCT automatic dual clutch uh, Honda transmission that's in a few of their other bikes. But the um, the the 150 is a PCX, basically. A PCX uh-huh. with, a, with a bit higher suspension, um, a bit more aggressive tires and... Uh, Different bodywork. <laughs> yeah, recycle a model, but in a cool way. It's Honda's yeah. way. Yeah. Brilliant. I love the passion that's coming out, talking about these small bikes. How big displacement, uh, what's the level when you start losing interest? Uh, there's no level where I lose interest, but uh, the only one I talk to everyone about is, is the small stuff because it's just a niche that I, I started with and I, and I love um, ever since getting into small bikes. It got me a job at a motorcycle shop, which I do full-time currently, and I ride anything and everything. I have one one belief and one saying, uh, discrimination is limitation. If you discriminate against any type of bike, you're limiting yourself by not riding it. I mean, what true motorcyclists in their right mind would be like, oh, I don't want to ride that. You know, if someone gives you a bike to ride, why would you not want to? So, I mean, I'm honestly more often every day riding anything from, gosh, Harley Davidson's of all shapes and sizes, V-Rods, breakouts, things like that, Um, GS1250s. um, Gosh, today I rode a Thruxton and uh, a Triumph Rocket and, yeah, an old 2012 anniversary edition Harley Davidson V-Rod. So, um, and then I rode to and from work on my, on my Honda, Honda Wave 125. So um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I, um, I, I ride anything and everything, throw me a bike and I'm on it. I've, I, I love bikes. So, but once again, I just have this deep passion for small stuff. I've got a good community behind it and I feel like I know more about it. Um, I, I read your guys' content when I'm looking to learn about, about bigger stuff really. <laughs> it sounds like you're actually physically riding more than we do. <laughs> yeah, Matt, I got, I, got, I got into this journalism thing because I saw you going to bike launches all over the world and getting to ride heaps of bikes. I think I've gone the wrong way. I need to go work for my local bike shop and ride a whole bunch of bikes. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> you can only ride more stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky. I work at a shop. Am I allowed to say the name? Or are we allowed to say Yeah, yeah. give yeah. them a plug. For sure. Um, I work for Adrenaline Motorcycles in Mount Munganui, and we are super niche, super boutique. Um, my boss would probably hate that I'm saying boutique. He doesn't like that word. But we don't have any major brands behind us. Um, we have a couple of scooter brands. We sell Kimco and Italy's Taiwanese-made scooters. But apart from that, um, we import stuff from Japan. Uh, right now in the shop, we've got um, – Two TZR 250s. Um, we've got uh, three RG 250s, one Walter Wolf. We've got three RG 50s, uh, which are a six speed uh, liquid cooled manual 50cc two stroke. We've got an RZ 50 Yamaha. Um, uh, it's not ours, but we're selling on behalf at the moment, you know, a Senna 1000, one of 300 ever made. Um, so we've got heaps of cool stuff there. And the workshop's just pumping stuff out where where we work on anything and everything. You know, we're the one shop in town you can come to and we'll just work on it. We don't care. Whatever it is. So, um, yeah, because of that, we're busy. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm technically the service manager there. I started in sales and it's just kind of worked through. Um, but, yeah, we're, it's, it's a cool industry to be in. I, I think I'm super lucky because, you know, I'm not only working or with one brand. Um, I see everything, you know. I had someone turn up on a Kawasaki KC100 today or yesterday. 
I didn't even know what that was until I saw it. It was a um, little four-speed manual two-stroke from the 70s. So, yeah, we see anything and everything, and um, that's what's kind of brought in the horizons and made me realise that, hey, small bikes are cool, and they always will be, and they'll always be my priority, but there's other stuff out there too. Now, Matt, you've been off the podcast for a few weeks. Uh, You've been busy writing the High Beam series of episodes, but also... You've had a bit of a drama with old Rosie the Rally. I think we should mention it because it sounds like I should have. Um, sounds like the adrenaline boys probably could have fixed it instead of uh, it hopping from one dealership in the Waikato to another and then ending up in Auckland. As you probably are aware, um, my just before lockdown, just before my daughter was born, I put my bike in storage in the Coromandel because I was like, sweet, need a spare, need a spare room. So I'll convert the rumpus room into a bedroom, can have the grandparents stay, both sets would be awesome lockdown happened and I didn't see the bike for five and a half months Um, and didn't see the grandparents for nearly four Um, but yes I got the bike back about a month ago mind I hadn't serviced it since I'd owned it I bought it January 2019 uh, into January and I was like right it needs an oil change desperately because it hasn't been changed in the time I've owned it Um, so I had all the parts sitting here changed the oil well Popped out the old oil, put the new thing in, had my torque wrench, done everything up. Went to put the sump plug in, and I don't know exactly what happened, but somehow I either didn't hear it, the torque wrench click or I was distracted by the little fella and just kept oh, on no. tightening. Yeah. Stripped the stuff, stripped it. Yeah. Um, so my <laughs> sump plug was just sitting there spinning. Yeah. I, I could tighten it up, and it wasn't dripping oil out, but it wasn't. It was kind of weeping out. I was like, oh, this isn't good. Took it for a blat around Lake Carapero. came back, yep, leaking oil. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, next day I called up um, the local, came and picked it up, and as soon as they even, like, they didn't even get it off the trailer, the um, technicians, I'll call them, didn't want to touch it. They're like, no, nah, we don't do any of that fixing stuff here. Sent it to Honda Heart Hamilton. Replaces. So it went off to Heart replaces. Yeah. yeah, so it went to Honda Hamilton, and um, a few days later they're like, right, um, we're not comfortable with tapping it out either. Um, only way we can fix it is a uh, whole new engine case. Uh, and I was like, all right, how much is that going to cost? And like, um, $2,400. Oh, I was like, all right, cooled up. $2,400 for Rosie the Rally. And just by the way, you can buy Rosie for, what is it, about 9000 new? Uh, less than that now, I believe. Um, I think it's cheaper yeah, than it was the 9250 brand new when it came out in 2017. Um, I got it. My one's the old press bike, so it's um, I got it for less. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I called up the insurance company. We waited for them to dither about and tell me, no, that's not actually covered. Um, and... Um, yeah, I was <laughs> staring down the barrel of two and a half grand to fix my bike, which I was prepared to pay. Um, but um, Ben, the editor of Kiwi Rider, said, I'll just hold off, um, talk to Pete, the publisher. He knows a lot of really, really smart people in the industry. Um, surely he can sort you out um, for a bit of a better deal than that. And um, yeah, lo and behold. I- and enter your knight in shining swan drive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, knight in shining camo. Um, he, yeah, he basically um, within, oh, I can't remember. I think I called him up on the Friday. Um, by the following following Tuesday, the bike was picked up. The Wednesday at lunchtime, it was dropped off at um, this um, mechanic, uh, former GP um, of both dirt and road mechanic, um, Mr. Bruin, and um, yeah, by before close of business, he had what well, I believe he's done is tapped it out, put a new plug in there, drilled that, and put another um, bolt in there. So my new drain hangs down 
about another half inch, um, which is not ideal if I do any hardcore off-roading, but I can always get a better bash plate. Um, but I don't leak oil, and um, it was fixed for significantly less, about a tenth, of, not even a tenth of the price that the dealership wanted to charge me. I'm so thankful um, that... Because, of course, initially the, the, the worry was that it was your bike wasn't going to be roadworthy for... Um, for the GES rally coming up in November. Yeah, that was the big thing. If you had to get the new case in from Taiwan, uh, Thailand, yeah. Um, so it had to order. It had to be ordered, and they didn't know when it was going to arrive. And yeah, that was really freaking me out because I'd already ruined my. Um, I had that big plan to go up to Cape Reinga with my dad on the bikes over Father's Day weekend, and I torpedoed that with my stupidity. Um, and yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, always get the second opinion. Yeah, I'm so glad you <laughs> got that sorted. It's um, it's there's there would have been a number of ways to go about that, and yeah, as you say, it should have only cost a tenth of the price of what you yeah, to, in the first place. Case and- it's it's something I find that um, I struggle with quite a lot. I'm I'm a big pusher of people using bike dealers within New Zealand. You know, um, I see so many people, especially running a, a Facebook group of two and a half thousand people, just online instantly. What parts do I need? Look online. Um, mm. Without realizing there is some good good knowledge um, hidden around the show, but unfortunately it takes a bit of effort to find it. Um, you know, if that had come to us, it would have been, I mean, gosh, the longest wait would have been getting through the rest of the queue before your bike happened. Uh, yeah, to be exactly. Front, yeah. You know, um, it's... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just the thing that, it was disappointing because like, I always like to try and, I'm a believer in help looking to your local dealer and that, and yes. I bought the parts through... Um, actual chain oil servicing parts through Blue and Honda directly um, because that's just a perk of being in the industry Um, and yeah I was like all right, cool well I stuffed this up take it to the professionals and yeah I was a bit disappointed they didn't want to know but like hey they're great guys I've had brilliant experience with um, the local Honda shop um, previously yeah it comes down to people not wanting to um, and look I totally get it as well Um, their biggest fear is that you're riding you know on that Father's Day ride after they've done the repair that is possible that the other person's also eventually decided to do for you and boom it just happens to fail for some reason which could be possible yeah exactly Um, it's the whole liability thing and they as a big dealer yeah with a big name behind them really you know they don't want to take the risk and I get Uh, it yeah it was just yeah. yeah a bit disappointing but like, hey, it's sorted. It's got lock wire in there now, so there's no way the new nuts coming out. Yeah, um, it looks very race spec and rally spec, so it's quite appropriate. <laughs> exactly. And and what have we learned from the experience, Matt? Uh, cautionary tale there. Um, yeah, basically, um, don't follow the service manual because <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to do it up to 20, 24 newton meters. I was looking at the difference between this and just honest as a side note because the Honda dealership said they don't even talk up their sump plugs like they. Yeah, don't do it up to talk. And in my head, I was doing everything by the book. I was going about this just right, and then it all went pear-shaped. Um, but, yeah, 24 newton metres of torque is what the um, owner's manual says to do that nut up to. And on the CBR250R, which is where the engine originally came from, it is 16. Same engine. <laughs> so, yeah, who knows what's going on there, but... Yeah, that was it. Was a bit of a an experience. It's definitely one I'm definitely not going to. Um, well, I'm going to endeavour to not do it again. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, Matt, uh, something that's happened uh, recently, some episodes that we've released on both High Beam and uh, on Kiwi Rider Podcast a couple of weeks ago, the BMW G310R and BMW G310 GS. Uh, you've ridden both. I've ridden the R, uh, and we've recently had those episodes come live. I thought now, since we've got you on the podcast, and Cullum, your opinions are more than welcome too, is um, we have a, a bit of a cross-reference and um, you know compare notes on the bikes. Yes. Sounds good. Where do you want to start, man? Because, um, yeah, there's a few similarities there. Well, I rode the G310R, uh, and I found uh, that it was quite a perky little bike. But remembering the bike that I rode uh, had six kilometres on the clock when I picked it up, and it had about 300 on the clock when I dropped it back. So um, everything... Everything that I say, you've got to remember that the bike was a bit tight. Let's start by the most obvious thing that stood out to me is is you don't sit on the bike, you sit in the bike. Yeah, that's um, the same case for the GS version as well, which um, when I was talking to Pete McPhee, the publisher of um, Key Rider, that was one of his few complaints about the bike is because of that seat. I find it um, I did the last year's GS rally on the G310GS and I found it really comfortable. Um, the only thing I didn't like about the bike was the foot pegs um, because when you weren't sitting in that comfy seat when you're standing up on the pegs and weighting them and going around corners and stuff, um, their size is tiny. Um, like they're not even half the size of the pegs on the rally. Um, so they're really uncomfortable. But that seat, like I reckon I could have ridden from my place in Cambridge all the way up to Mangawai where the rally was on that GS and I would have been comfy as because it's that nice scholar Not only seat. is the seat comfortable, but the um, the ergonomics uh, around your knees are really good as well. I, I found that I wasn't too cramped. Very similar, actually, in, in, you know, in the amount of bend in your knee to the uh, the MT-07, which is just over there. Um, but, and the seat was very comfortable, but it was that first initial sit on the bike that it was, well, this is weird. I, I feel like I'm, and you know, the lean, the... the the arc or the lean of the bike because you're you're not so high felt different is that have i explained that well or have i just made that really hard to understand Maybe, well it is it's a significant scalloped seat and it's not common in the industry these days now most people like they're like the seats on your mt07 they're either that which is one big seat for the um rider and then you've got a separate pillion seat or it's a dirt bike style seat, which is just one long plank. Um, like you get on with the enduro space bikes, like my bike. Um, and yeah, there's a few bikes that still have that scalloped seat. Like it's almost like they're set up for touring. They're nice and comfy and everything, but you do sit in and it's almost like if the bike had a lot more power, it would hold you in. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're definitely not going to slide out the back of that. And that's not because it's a 310, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just nicely costs you. It's I think it's a nice design. Some people don't like that sitting in the bike. I don't mind it. I sort of it's a thing that you get used to when you own a bike is the ergonomics. Like it was definitely only the first time I sat on the bike that I noticed it, and it wasn't a all oh, this is wrong. It was just all oh, this is different. Mm. See, the only thing I can think of is you have to swing your leg up higher than you actually need to sit down into, which is the only weird bit in my mind. But 
that's me just trying to overthink things. So it's been quite a while since I've ridden the uh, G310s at all. That inverted, um, inverted 180 degrees turned head is quite interesting. Uh, you don't. It doesn't seem like much just talking about it, but when you've got the air going in the front of the engine and the exhaust coming out the back. Um, and if you compare that to Rosie that's sitting right beside you, the exhaust pipe comes out the front of the engine and wraps around and then goes down the side of the bike. Um, somebody told me the other day that the the air going in the front almost creates kind of a ram air effect inside that wee G310 engine. Okay. I wouldn't know how accurate that would be because it's got to go through the air box first and that's got X amount of capacity. But it definitely packages it better and it's weird that it's sort of only recently come about um sort of i think yamaha were the first to do it with their motocross bikes um with that backward slanted engine and yeah it's meant to help with mass centralization it's meant to help with handling more than anything um but it's all the way in the center of the bike and yeah you do the rest um, but it also, I've been just going to say, I've been checking this out, this bike out, while you guys have been talking about it, and, and excuse me for sounding somewhat amateur, but that's a heck of a lot of bike for the money. You're talking less sticker price than the CT125, which we've talked about earlier, oh, for a 310cc BMW. That's quite quite insane. Yeah, it's the cheapest BMW, period. Um, yeah. Which like, And the BMW name has a lot of... Um, weight to it as well it's amazing that they um aren't let's not remit let's not forget why it's the cheapest bike uh cheapest bmw period though i mean sure it's a small engine but they have got tvs india to build it that's not a bad thing but that is why it's so cheap it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's got to be similar price range through to the the 390 dukes ktm surely oh yeah well the 390s cost more um it's basically so long as you don't go over that 10 grand cap you're golden that's yeah, um, okay. in that segment of the market like yeah um, i think honda are in trouble these days because my bike hasn't changed they've changed the color of it since it came yeah. out in 2017 and that's it but now it's up old against new graphics the, oh no wait that's suzuki yeah basically old new graphics um but yeah they so the competition now for my bike is um the gs came out afterwards or similar time um which Bigger engine, smaller wheels, so kind of an inventory bike, but more on the roadside. Same with the Versys X300. Then, um, yeah, it sort of was all quiet on the Western Front until the 390s come out from KTM, and that thing's got a TFT screen, uh, traction control. I think you can get a quick shifter on the thing, um, and that's all under 10 grand. So mm. basically, you, everyone's looking at the bi- older bikes um, and now going, well, where's, where's my money going? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, which is the big problem in the market now. I think mm. Honda struggles, I, I guess, at the moment as well from um, the uh, cool models and the niche models that are coming out, especially the small stuff that I'm, I'm quite into, is is only ever sold in really small numbers. Therefore, the costs of bringing them into a country like New Zealand, where our market's quite minimally as it is compared to the rest of the world, um, it just skyrockets the price. You can buy the CT125 for, I think, 4800 5000 New Zealand dollars on the road in Thailand. It's it's 8000 on the road here. Yeah, um, which is it's, very it's, close to rally money. Like, 100%. It is. It is. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but it, it does have that core cool group of um, followers, and I know we've swung away from the Beamers back to the Hondas again, but yeah. you've got all those guys with that core that's the CT90, the posty bike guys. Like you see, you still see old posty bikes selling for four grand. And I think that's kind of almost a problem that these mm. other manufacturers have now, particularly BMW, where these G310s are 
they're the new small bikes. They're they the are. new entry point. Mm, um, but absolutely. they, there's nothing sort of in the heritage to get people to fall back and go, oh, that's cool. Like they're mm. their own thing. And I think that's almost a hindrance. Yes, um, yes, yes. But there's no heritage there. Um, would you agree, Ray? Yes. Or are you just <laughs> glazed eyes? Um, I was, I was, to be yeah. honest, thinking about how we're going to bring the conversation back to the G310s. But you carry on. <laughs> Basically, what I was saying is the G310s, they're wicked little bikes and they are good value for the money, but they um, struggle because they don't have the heritage to amp yes. up that desire for them. So imagine AT of Hunt, but then people like you look at that and you go, all right, cool, it's got ABS, it's a one two five, but it's got that heritage which backs it up. Then you flip it over to the BMWs, and it's like this is the smallest bike they offer. This is the entry point, and it's kind of like, all right, like yeah, it lacks excitement. Give ten people a, give ten people a choice, and eight of them would choose the BMW. I can tell you now. <laughs> 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 so um matt one thing i did notice uh with the g310r is the throttle is not exactly what it, what i'd call twitchy um and i wondered how that would stack up when it came to the gs version of the bike on gravel i mean i quite like a little bit of uh a little bit of torque when it comes to um the throttle on gravel yeah like they're not a torquey engine because the, they're what 313 cc's technically and they like to rev i can't remember let me just have a quick gander where they make their power they do like to rev i i found that g310r uh didn't really do much below 5000 and then you get it above 5000 and it, it it's it's a bit vibey but it's definitely performs yeah well peak power is way way up in the rev range um so i think red line i'm just waiting for not Ten thousands red line, nine thousand five hundreds peak power. I think I something rings a bell there from uh, last week's uh, high beam episode. Yeah, so um, peak talks at about seven from memory. Um, so it's they like to rev. Um, so when I was riding in the gravel, um, we did a couple of good up couple of hundred k's last year for the rally, um, and. Um, yeah, it was basically I was always in a lower gear than I would otherwise be in, say, my bike. You know, it was one of the reasons I chose my bike in the end over the GS was because I preferred the power delivery on the rally, which is more low mid-range, nothing up top, versus bit of mid-range, a lot up top. Um, but it was on the gravel, it was stupid fun. Like I was keeping up with a what was it a KTM 950 Super Enduro was what my riding partner of the day was riding, and that thing was cool. And the little GS had no issues keeping up with it. It was revving its nuts off, um, but that just told me I was getting absolutely everything out of the bike, which is one of the pleasures of having a small bike. Is you can get basically 110 percent out of the machine and still be well within the realms of safety. Mm, it's more fun riding a small bike fast than a than a big bike at the speed limit oh definitely yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like it's yeah and it's yeah utter truth and yeah like it's a bit it would be a little bit tedious um the bike i was riding also had upgraded tires um so the factory tires on the gs are metzler torrances um which are really good on the road and they're all right on the gravel but they're predominantly a road tire and um key rider had put 
Midas EO9s on, which were full knobbies. Um, and man, those tires hooked up good. Um, like the, there is enough power um, with the factory tires to spin in the gravel and do power slides and have a right roll of time. But these Midas tires just hooked up so well. It just went. Um, it just gripped and goed. Um, which goed. goed, yeah. Good, good England. Good England. Yeah. It's like my favorite word, ovular. Upsets the wife whenever I use it. <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, let's round it off with, um, is, is there anything about that, that those bikes that you don't like and what's something that you love about them? Uh, well, I've already said what I don't like. The only thing that um, would be a must change if I had a um, G310 GS would be those foot pegs. Because um, when you're doing that gravel riding, they really do start eating into the foot comfort. Um, they need to be wider um, by like basically double the width um, and you can buy all sorts of parts um, I think Rally Raid in the UK do like a whole suite of parts for them um, that's the only thing I'd change on it I might add bar risers um, and maybe a slightly bigger touring screen but other than that um, the only must change is those foot pegs and the best part about that bike is it's got a factory rear rack um, like you can easily easily put a box of beer on there a couple of bungees and you're golden it is, has so much real estate even on the r model it's got um those handles on the on the back you could easily use them put it on the back seat put some bungees over it hook it onto the handles and you're away yeah, and not many bikes come out with a luggage rack that sturdy either like it's i can't remember if it's aluminium or steel but it's a good inch thick uh, it feels really rugged and durable uh, but it also feels like you can put more than a box of beer. You could put something, I don't know, some kind of small animal that you have gone hunting and shot, like a small deer, say, and you could lug it on the back. Um, I don't know why that reference came what up. What a random analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Adventure tires. You just need a gun rack. You'll be set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a hunting yeah. bike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as a sturdy rear rack, um, and when a lot of racks these days say, oh, they can hold a max of 10 kgs, it feels like the one on the GS can hold a lot more than that. It feels like you could really kit it out and go touring and enjoy it nice what about the r what's your pro your pros and cons my pros and cons on the r i love the look i mean it's obviously styled on bmw's s1000 rrr super whatever uh fan- fancy you know track machine um and it just it it's it's everything a big bike has in the looks department but mini and you know people like mini things people like small things people get small dogs because they're cute because they're little um i liked the bike because it was everything a big bike is but mini it i I think i said in my story um has a certain sex kitten appeal you know it's um it's and it just like and it's got a great sound to it you get into a tunnel get the revs up around seven eight thousand and it's got this kind of big bike snarl it's almost tricking you into thinking that it is a big bike i really liked it for that uh what didn't i like about it it was i didn't really like the vibiness and i know that that's a single cylinder bike thing and, and i've said you have to get the revs up and it really you know goes to town when the revs are up but uh i didn't like uh in commuting city traffic cruising along at 50 k's an hour in third or fourth in third your revs are up at 5000 it was vibey as hell in fourth it felt like you were lugging the engine um so uh, i mean i do a lot of commuting that's that's no secret um that was one thing that just kind of a little bit irritated me but maybe that's me being spoiled by the cp2 engine and having torque on tap because you're spoiled <laughs> yeah could be a little bit of that but hey you're acknowledging it so uh, you can say whatever you like 
<laughs> uh, I mentioned also in my story on the G310R and the video um, that it it's, bears a striking resemblance to the Apache RR310. What's the Apache RR310? Is that the TVS version of it? Yeah, it is. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge that, I mean, the it might be, it is a BMW. It is designed by BMW, but it is, and it's the first BMW to be built outside of Europe. It is built by TVS in India. TVS are a huge motorcycle company and huge importer in general, a huge company in India. They own Norton now. And they own Norton, exactly. Um, but they've also released the bike. I think the fairings are slightly different, but under their own name, the TVS Apache RR310. I, I, the reason I mention that is I talked about it in the video. I talked about it in the in the story on the podcast, and I got some people asking, what was that little comment about? I didn't talk about the fact that it was the, essentially the same bike. Uh, I just mentioned it, and I thought I'd clarify that, that the, uh, the G310R is also the Apache RR310. See, I quite like the look of that because that's uh, it's this thing that um, I can't remember where I wrote it. It was in some story I've written in the last four years um, that um, I wondered if BMW would bring out a sporty version of the uh, G310R because it's a naked, um, but there's a lot of sport capacity racing classes that would otherwise be... Um, eligible to enter in and it would go up really nicely against uh the cvr 300 um and that all that class and this tvs it looks awesome with the full fear you know what i think you like it i think you like it for the when i first saw it my first thought was hyosung and i think that's why you like it it looks like a gt250 <laughs> see i'm looking at it i'm seeing bits of uh, like <laughs> Fearing up oh, the the rear end, yeah, I can see sort of a little bit of higher sung there. But I was looking at the front end of this um, TVS Apache, and I'm seeing bits of um, sort of uh, S1000 RR styling there that they've pinched. Yeah, there's a bit going on there. But have you noticed? Have you noticed? I don't know if it's the image that I'm looking at. The the forks are very vertical. Yeah, it's a very aggressive front end. Like no, it's not a smooth sporty. It's got some striking lines there. It looks really good. Yeah, it's a it's a shame that BMW never did a um g310 rr i think there was a, a prototype somewhere um a few a couple of years ago someone made took a g310r and gave it a full carbon fiber um fairing based off the design of the uh, s1000 rr and it looked awesome and i can't believe bmw's never done anything about it <laughs> like maybe that's the way they can boost sales have a really really cool looking sporty looking entry level bike that said they've just brought out the um the f900 uh, r and f900 xr which look fantastic and those were based if i'm not mistaken on something gs uh if no g oh, i don't know i'm not clued up enough i haven't been- uh, the engines came from the current uh f750 850 gs there range. you go uh yeah but they're by the photos I saw on the BMW Facebook page today. Um, some really, really cool photos of the F900R in Auckland, I think it was. And it looks really cool. It looks really futuristic, but not in a weird way. You know how some manufacturers are like, oh, let's design something futuristic and it looks like an absolute abortion? <laughs> Um, this this isn't that. No, it's a very, very, very hot bike. Listen to last week's um, KRP episode and you'll hear all about it. There's photos up on the Facebook as well. 
Hey, gentlemen, that pretty much rounds off our show for this week. But thank you very, very much for joining us. Cullen Blackmore, Small Bike Stuff. How do we find your content? Just search Small Bike Stuff, smallbikestuff.com, uh, facebook.com slash smallbikestuff, YouTube, just search Small Bike Stuff. It'll come up. Uh, I try to release weekly now uh, as far as video content goes. There's a few articles on my website that I've written about niche things I really enjoy. Uh, but as you guys know, working full-time and producing content uh, can be a bit of a struggle at times. So, yeah, I try my best to keep it updated as much as possible. Check it out. Thanks so much for having me. No, thanks for joining us, man. You're obviously a, a mind of knowledge when it comes to small bike stuff. No pun intended. I think if, you, if you're keen, we might just have to get you back on the podcast as, a, as our... Um, a, a bit more of a, I don't want to take the title away from you, Matt, but a bit more of a small bike fanatic. A I don't smaller, mind the title going bike. to someone more deserving, let's face it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be in touch. Matt, you've had a few weeks off and, and we've found out why. Not only have you been writing the uh, high beam episodes, but poor old Rosie the Rally's been in the wars. Yeah, um, but I have done a nice ride on it recently. I did the Carfia uh, to Raglan ride, uh, which was um, mostly gravel road along the west coast and it was utterly beautiful. And uh, the only negative was I worked out I put on a lot of COVID weight and I've now overwhelmed the rear shock on the rally so I need to replace that so let's saving begin. If you haven't already have a listen to High Beam it's our series of um, episodes coming out on a Tuesday uh, we are celebrating 40 years of GS and looking forward to the GS Rally New Zealand White It Upper November 6th and 7th if you haven't got your name in the uh, in the in the in the mix for this yet I highly recommend you do now we, we, we had a limit of 100 people on this event because we were in COVID levels, you know, 3, 2 and 2.5. For what it upper at least, at this stage, we're down to level 1. So we've, uh, we're opening up more spaces for that. If you want to find out more about the GS Rally NZ, head to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GS Rally NZ. Rally's got an E on the end of it, by, by the way. G-S-R-A-L-L-Y-E-N-Z on Facebook. All the details are there. You don't have to ride a GS, but points for style if you do. Uh, we'd love to have you along for that. 330 odd kilometres of gravel and tarmac around Wided Upper. It's going to be an epic event. Matt, are you going to be there? I am. I'm going to ride Rosie down from Cambridge. Uh, might meet up with Ben and Rotorua and uh, make a day of it. Outstanding. I'm going to be riding, uh, by the sounds of it, a G310GS. So looking forward to um, to riding the other version of that bike. Uh, Callum, is this is this something we could get your small bikes along to? We can go anywhere. And funnily enough, uh, actually this weekend's coming, we're doing uh, a small bike ride from Raglan to Carfier and back. So, oh, nice. uh, yeah, yeah, as you were just saying. But, you yeah, know, we go anywhere, everywhere. Uh, no distance is too far it's just how brave you are Headed grips help, I'll be totally honest with you. But yeah, anywhere. <laughs> well, that's about us. We love to round our episodes off with a dad joke. So I've got one for you, gentlemen. What do you call a hippie's wife? Mrs. Hippie. It <laughs> <laughs> qualifies. If you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. Jump on Facebook and Instagram as well. And while you're on Facebook, check out Small Bike Stuff. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Get the rubber side down and throttle on. I've been Ray. I've been Matt. And he's been Callum. We'll catch you in seven days' time. Kiwi Rider.